Hallelujah. The Lord is speaking to the church in a very, very powerful way at this hour. He's talking to her about eternity. And he's talking about zero tolerance to sin. That this is the hour for purification. The purging off of sin. The purification of the church. That's why you hear repentance, repentance, repentance. To purge off the dross. To clean the church. So that salvation may be what it was given at the cross. Nothing else. But if there is anything you are doing to address your salvation, your ministry today, it must be done in a hurry. And today it's common knowledge to all people that when you watch your news, you can literally see what is happening in the news. You say, we have never been this way before. You can tell for yourself that uh, really, for us as Christians, with your spiritual eyes you see. And then you realize that time is over. Now, when I looked at those wedding rings in the sky, the message that came out very clearly is that the Lord said, even if I went all over the earth, I would not find them. And I think that came out very clearly also in the design. At one point I said, it's as though a great grandmother remove a ring and give to the granddaughter, say, go and wed with this. But how can you wed with an ancient wedding ring? Because I was talking about the design round and molded like that. Now, I could understand right away what the Lord was saying there. He was essentially saying that uh, his heart is longing for that ancient church. Because the design was ancient and primitive and old in a modern generation. And so you could tell right away that the Lord is saying, even though I promised that the latter glory would be greater than the former, and that is true now in Kenya, when the Lord just walks me into, at the gate of the stadium like this, all cripples begin to get up. Sometimes also the shadow, because the people are too many, they cannot enter the stadium, all of them. So there is a bigger overflow than the stadium. So sometimes they bring the cripples and lay them where the water flows, the drainage of the road. They lay there. They carry the cripples and lay there. And then when the Lord is bringing me into the stadium, not walking in the vehicle, coming into the stadium, then the shadow of the vehicle, the shadow of the vehicle. And I discovered something amazing. I discovered that the shadow is both sides. Both sides. Both sides. Not that the sun is here, so you put this way. Oh, no. I discover both sides. When they put this way and this way. So the cripples get up and it's a beautiful story. I still remember this woman who was healed in that way. And she went and opened a church in her home. Until today there is a church there. She opened the church. When she stood up, was crippled totally. But when she was healed, she was just put on one of the sides. Until she opened the church today. So yes, it is true, because the cripples are too many that are healed to the extent that because of airtime on TV, like I said, so sometimes you take two minutes or so, sometimes you put them in a heap, you say all these are cripples who are healed. Sometimes it's the wheelchairs that they abandon, because people cannot come inside. They abandon wheelchairs and crutches, and then sometimes we only hear the celebration in the villages, you understand, where they come from. So the village wait for them. So you hear celebrations. So sometimes we send our camera crew and everybody to follow them now. 
Because not all people can come. But what I'm saying is this. Yes, it is true that the Lord promised that the latter revival would be greater. The authority of the latter anointing would be greater. The latter reign. So, while he promised that, but you can see from the presentation of the wedding rings that his heart is longing for the primitive church. Hallelujah. I could hear that. I could see that in that conversation, in that vision. He was saying, I really long for the first primitive church. The ancient church. Why? Because the primitive church is the church where the servants there, they preached Christ Jesus crucified and resurrected. When they opened the Bible, they read from the Bible, this is what they read. They read Christ Jesus crucified and resurrected. When they walked, they walked and they testified. When they testified, they always testified Christ Jesus crucified, resurrected. When they sat down to break bread, break bread, they broke bread, Christ Jesus crucified and resurrected. When they slept, they dreamt, Christ Jesus crucified, resurrected. When it was time for them to die, when it was time to die, they died, Christ Jesus, crucified, resurrected. If it is cutting my neck, it's okay, cut it. Cut off my neck, because to live is to serve the duty of the grace. To go is to be with the Lord. Some of them were crucified, translating the Bible. That is the level of faithfulness in that church. That primitive church, even though he said the latter anointing will be greater, but that primitive church, I could see the heart of God the Father in these rings. I could see that he was looking for that faithful first church. Faithful. Gold, diamond and silver have I not. But the Christ Jesus I have unto you. Rise up and walk. That church. They preached the cross and the blood. They lived the cross and the blood. They were a Christ-centered church. And you can now tell that the Lord is saying, I'm longing for that Faithful church. That message comes out very clearly in this conversation. Because he's saying that run and ask them, stand before them and ask them, why do you always change the gospel? Why does the church always change? Why do you change the gospel? A more modern gospel? 
to address your modern needs such that today in church even human philosophy has entered the world. They now have to add human philosophy, human psychology, human theology into the world. And that's why when I come here, I come to tell you the following. I come to tell you that in heaven, there will not be a modern Christian. But there will be a holy Christian. And that's what I've come to say here. So I want us now to move on with this garment so that I can move you into another realm of understanding the instruction the Lord is bringing to the pastors today. Now, the book of Revelation chapter 19. We are reading only three verses. Verse 6 to verse 9. Revelation chapter 19. Verses 6 to verse 9. Listen to what he says, verse 6. He says, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Hallelujah. He's saying in verse 6 that he heard like the roar of rushing waters, grand multitude, loud peals of thunder. He's describing the historic celebration he saw. The historic felicitation and jubilation he heard and saw. Historic. He said... The reason as to why there is such a historic celebration. He says, fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen, bright and clean. If you listen to Portuguese, they say, lino finissimo, meaning finest ever achievable. Finest. He says, fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. And then he says, fine linen is the righteousness of the church. Now listen to this now. Can I move further on now and characterize the authority of righteousness that the Lord is talking about in that vision? The authority of that righteousness. First of all, this is what you see. He's saying, fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. So, if you look at the circumstances, the context within which he is announcing finest linen, bright and clean is given to the church. He's announcing it. He's saying so within the announcement of the coming of the Messiah. He's pronouncing fine linen, bright and clean given to the church at a time when he's talking about the coming of the Messiah. And that should be able to underscore gravity. Gravity about righteousness. Because actually we're talking about the grand finale. Look at it this way. Peter and Paul, they're running a relay. The short races with a baton. Peter and Paul are running their course. They reach you and give you the baton. They have finished their path very well. What did this present check do with the baton? The finishing line has been drawn. The other person, the, the, the first church, Peter and Paul, whoever, they have run their path excellently.
excellent they were leading they're leading and then they they pass you a little bit and pass on to you what did you do with your segment the line has been drawn grand finale did the church slide and fall with the button did you slide and fall with the button if you slide and fall you spoil for everybody else did you understand me properly that's why there is greater responsibility beyond you on this salvation you behold beyond you there's greater responsibility beyond you because we are a generation of me 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 no this is now about Christ himself because he said tremendous joy unspeakable grand felicitation grand celebration grand jubilation why because you have made it meaning apart from being your own salvation you also behold the key to the joy historic joy of the messiah you fail to enter historic sadness and so i'm saying that this announcement of the hour for righteousness of the garment that i'm talking about here comes at such a time when the announcement of the coming of the messiah is here so that means we really have to hearken to this now now we have to prepare because the line has been drawn because what will they say what will people say because somebody will come and say oh for me i used to be in the bar in the brothels with women and homosexuals but for you you were a pastor i knew you were a pastor you went to church every day you have also remained then ah uh, what was the cross all about you understand so there will be that condescendence and to the cross and the blood that responsibility you must have now as you lead your christian life this thing of christians fooling around with their salvation is the church has to come to an end you must now be able to understand that you have responsibility including corporate corporate as the body of christ hallelujah the second thing in this announcement of the garment that the church should wear now that you people should prepare in the church is that when he is talking about it it looks as though in this process of prepare the way the messiah is coming the garment is the prepare the way that is actually the meaning of prepare the way the garment that garment of righteousness but he says he says like this he says fine linen bright and clean was given her to wear bright meaning i can look at that light and say wow that is bright light meaning at this hour when the church wears this garment everybody should be able to see look the garment wow look the garment hey, the church is wearing the garment from afar it is not hidden at all so you cannot tell me it's inside your heart in other words this is the hour when the brightness of the salvation that the church beholds must shine brightest bright that's why he says bright and clean bright and we all know that the light you wear the light you shine is always brighter when there is darkness in other words this is the hour when the church beginning with the pastors should be shining the brightest light of Christ in the nation i am now talking about the authority of this garment when you move further on 
you realize that when you said fine linen bright and clean was given her to wear that was now the instruction to the church is the church wearing that linen look at another thing that comes out of there he says that when you wear that garment of righteousness in the church that garment look at this now he said fine linen bright and clean was given given her meaning it is a gift of the grace and mercy of god can i advance it meaning that garment comes from the lord himself it's of divine origin from god himself there you go now then you cannot soil it now we talk about the robes of christ then so you cannot say oh mine i'm going to wash it no that garment belongs to the lord it is not a right it was a gift of grace to you you understand me so you cannot fool around with it in this country there's a greater responsibility it bestows upon you on realizing that that garment is not a right is not a right it was actually because i say fine linen bread and linen was given given her as a gift romans 5:15 can we read that romans 5:15 hallelujah hallelujah it is a gift it is a gift but the gift is not like the trespass for if the many died by the trespass of one man how much more did god's grace and gift that came by the grace of the one man jesus christ overflow to many gratis gift gratis and he's saying that since that garment is not your garment since that garment is from him given to her given and we all know isaiah 53 the travail on the garment the preparing of the garment isaiah 53 we all know but i'm saying this if it is given to you and then he says that is the righteousness of the church then that also tells me that that righteousness is not the righteousness of men philippians chapter 3 8 and 9 the righteousness of god philippians 3 8 and 9 the righteousness of god hallelujah oh yes that you may know because that to me is very important i'm going to explain to you why 38 to 9 then he says what is more i consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing christ jesus my lord for whose sake i have lost everything i consider them rubbish that i may gain christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus the righteousness that comes from God and by faith the righteousness of God can i explain that to you there is a misunderstanding in the church today regarding this scripture regarding this garment i'm talking about if it is true that fine linen bright and clean was given given her then that means 
that the righteousness we behold, we are supposed to walk with, comes from the Lord. But if that also be true, then it also means the following. It means, if I go to Kenya and find the church in Kenya, the women are wearing long skirts to the floor. The women don't want any part of their body to be seen. They have just awoken up. They have been rekindled to the reality that behold, your body is the holy temple of the Holy Spirit of God. Of God the Holy Spirit. They have just woken up to that in 2016. So they observe it. They don't wear a tight skirt for someone to see their body and lust. If that be true, then that means that righteousness they wear in Kenya, where they cannot even show any part of their leg. That righteousness, when I come to the United States, I should find it also there. Why? Because he's saying, it is one standard. It is one standard. It is not saying, oh, oh for us we have another standard. No. No. Did you see the confusion in the church? It's as though the church has developed for herself her own standard of worship. Have you noted that? The church has developed for herself her own standard of worship. Where every denomination says, ah, no, 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 no. For us, our pastor told us that there is liberty in the salvation of Christ. For us, our pastor told us that God does not look at your clothes, he looks at your heart. For us, so there are all these different standards in the church. And that's why I have come to calibrate it once for all. Standardize it. Normalize it. If you worship the same God I worship, he says here that fine linen, bright and clean, belonging to God, was given her to wear. Given. Was given her to wear. It is not finding and bright and clean South Africa developed, built one for herself. Finding and bright and clean United States built one for themselves. No. He is saying the righteousness of God. That means when you come to Botswana, you should find the same. When you go to Canada, you should find the same standard of righteousness. Why? Because it's the same one God. There are not two gods. The same one God you worship. There are not two gods. There's only one Jesus. So do you understand the confusion? It's hard to be sorted out today here. Oh yes. In the United States alone, you get different churches. There are some churches that dance disco on Sunday. Disco. There is disco going on. People are dancing. Immorality. Women and men are dancing there. I know everything. Some just say, we, we are just about money. And they, they just do money. What, what? So, you cannot have such varied standards of worship. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Everybody received from the same God. Same God. So, beginning today, you can begin to interrogate your salvation. You can now question your salvation. You can now go back to your churches and say, Ah, church, I think let us understand this. The Lord in His Word says, Let us be holy. And that holiness is one standard. And you cannot try to manipulate it. You know, this is a very manipulative generation. 
They can manipulate things, manipulate and justify things. He said, no, we cannot. Because it is for our own good as a church to adhere to the benchmark of God, the standard of God. That when that day comes, we are not surprised. But enter. I have never seen anybody going to church saying, I am going to church that when the day comes, I may go to hell. I have still not yet met. All over the world I've been. But all of them want to enter heaven. Then let us stick to this standard. Why then do you dress your daughters immoral when they are young? Already they are dressed immoral. Short skirts, what tight, what you... You teach them that road. That's another road. And then how do you expect them if the Messiah tarries? How do you expect them not to be in the discos? How do you expect them not to be in the nightclubs? But you have taught them that road. And that's why the Lord is saying, this righteousness is absolute. There is no negotiation about it. And I'm going to come unto how the Holy Spirit can help the church to observe this. I'm going to come to that yet. So listen to me now. So now, he's saying the following. He's saying also, that when the day comes and the church is found to be wearing this righteousness, then he says, they can enter. Celebration is great. They have made it. They have made it. That means the Lord is saying the following then. He's saying that this garment I have come to announce and pronounce and declare for the church, this garment of righteousness, He's saying, this garment has the authority of the Messiah. And the garment has this authority. Look at this now. He says, when given to the church, she enters. Meaning, the accusation. The accusation that came through Adam is over. Oh yes, that is the authority of this garment. The accusation that came through Adam's mistakes and error are finished. In Hebrew, all of you know that the Lord called me from Israel, from Mount Carmel. The same cloud stood before me and called. Now look at this now. In Israel, in Hebrew they call it tamin. Tamin. Meaning, to make whole again. Meaning, to restore its integrity. That means, the error that Adam and Eve did has been erased by this garment. This garment has authority. If it was a surgery, let's say. You know the way they do a surgery to correct a situation? And then you see the sutures. You see where they stitched. Remain as a scar. No! He said, this one here, the correction is such that you don't see nothing. There are no scars to show that this part was cut. If you look at the Hebrew root word, I'm looking at the root word. When it says tamin, meaning to restore completely when you look like it was, there is no sign that it was ever spoiled. Ah! This garment of righteousness to the church. To take away the accusation that this generation, the previous generation, since Adam, have been carrying. That's why he says, they enter. 
In other words, this garment of righteousness that the Lord speaks to me about the two golden glorious wedding rings and sends me to announce to the nations, to the church global. In other words, that garment corrects the mistake. And so if there is anything the church needs to go on to now, is this righteousness. Corrects the mistake. Removes the accusation anymore. For her to enter. In fact, he's saying, she wears the righteousness of God. How can a mere mortal, mere mortal, now wear the righteousness of God and say, now I can stand with the righteousness of God and enter heaven. The authority of this garment here. Hey. And then say, we've just read, righteousness of God. How can mere mortal? In any case, if you look at the churches now, there is a tremendous accusation on the church right now. But he's saying, if we go back here, the accusation will be removed. And we will enter also. In other words, what I was coming to, through that root word in Hebrew, I was coming to one thing. That the garment of righteousness that the Lord speaks to the church now, actually bestows upon the church the character of blamelessness. No blame. No accusation like this. Hallelujah. That you may enter the kingdom of God. Now, that is the authority of the garment. That however much there is homosexuality in the church now, if she returns to this garment, the accusation erased as if there has never been an accusation. That's the authority of the garment. Blamelessness. Now, this garment has such authority. In fact, he is saying, without this garment of righteousness, there is no salvation. Ah! Can I put it better? Nobody is worthy of being called a pastor unless he preaches righteousness. I am now saying there is the redefining of the calling. He's saying the preachers of prosperity and sin are too many. If the Lord is calling now according to time, He's calling preachers of righteousness. The Lord never wrote it in the Bible, so we did not know how it was going to show up. But in Kenya, this is how it showed up. It showed up by poor widows that had no slippers, sandals. Walk barefooted, showing up and discipled, and now they are preaching righteousness in the morning, righteousness in the noon hour, righteousness at two, righteousness in the evening, righteousness at midnight. When they wake up, they still preach righteousness, and heaven is now depending on them waiting for their church. Ah! Those are widows. It showed up when doctors whose patients were healed from HIV came and knelt down and said, can I serve that Jesus you preach? Because medically it is not possible. And then they became, I'm talking about directors of medical services, deputy directors, senior assistant directors of medical services, you know, top doctors, the top specialists of HIV. When they came, now they are pastors, they run churches. They are now preachers. That is how that revival showed up.
not only the widows and the orphans, the villages, but even the most scholarly professors of medicine for medical schools now also came and God called them to preach righteousness. Yes. Top lawyers also came and became preachers of righteousness. I'm saying, if the Lord is calling anybody now, He is calling preachers of righteousness. The preachers of sin and money are too many out there. But if he's calling now, he's calling people that can preach righteousness. So now, look at this now. He's saying that the authority of this government is to actually remove the accusation on the church. So the accuser cannot continue accusing the church. So she may enter. And I say it in Hebrew from the root word, that is called the character of blamelessness. He restores on her the innocence. The guiltlessness of plan A, when Adam was just created no sin. Plan A, the first blueprint. That genuineness, innocence is restored and she enters. But that you may understand what the Lord intends to do the church now. What the cross was meant to do that the church did not embrace. I want to do the following. I want to look at a few characters in the Bible, about three of them that the Lord found blameless, those generals of God, and when you'll see what that character of blamelessness, how treasured they became before God, then you'll understand the importance of returning the church to this government. Can you turn with me to Genesis chapter 6 verse 9? One of them is Genesis 6 verse 9, after which we'll go to Genesis 17 1, and then Job 1 1, Job 1 8. Just turn with me to Genesis chapter 6 verse 9. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says, This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his generation, of his time, and he walked with God. Blameless. He's accounting on Noah. And he's saying the following, that because of this character of blamelessness within the whole of that world, that generation, Noah stood out alone. I just want you to understand what the Lord intends to do with the church in this world. Oh yes, from today on, you will fear the salvation you behold. The trivializing of salvation, the mixing it with the world, fooling around, being like everybody else, will end today. It will not happen. Then you will be like Kenya. You see, then, then look, even he visits, and I give the prophecy before. They prepare, they come and ask me, we hear the cloud of the Father is coming, how should we prepare? And then, when that day comes, he appears! And then, I was also shocked, he allows pastors from abroad to even record him. That part I, I was shocked also, because I thought he would not allow them. So that the United States may also live under the open heavens like this. Why? Because God is no respecter of persons or nations. Only Israel and any other person whose heart has a disposition of faith, He will visit and bless them. They will enter. So that means this revival is for all the nations. But if the garment that those wedding rings are announced to the nations, the garment of righteousness, if that garment bestows upon the church this 
character come in, made whole again, integrity restored again, the character of blamelessness. Then when you go to the Bible and you see that when God found out that Noah alone was blameless, he was able to kill the whole earth and keep Noah. Now yes, you must understand the gravity of the salvation you have today. Because I have finally come. The jokes in the church are finished. They are over. Because he's saying that when he found Noah to have that character of blamelessness, a blameless man, he was able to kill the whole earth and begin a new generation with that blameless man. So did you understand? In the whole of his generation, only he was found blameless. Did you understand what Jesus intended to do with the church? When he brought her this salvation of the garment. Did somebody understand this thing? Did you understand what he intended? He intended that out of the whole world, you stand out like this. That whether there is so much sin of whichever type, however, when you look at the church, he is able to rubbish the whole earth and remain with only the church. There is a new day in the house. Yeah. Today marks a new beginning, a new a morning in the church. A new reality has come to you. He's saying, when he found Noah to have that character of blamelessness, the character that the garment he gives us of righteousness bestows on the church. Bestows on the church. That when he found Noah alone, he was able to destroy the whole earth and remain keep Noah alone. Oh. Then that garment gives treasure to church. Was supposed to make the church stand out. But why has the church mixed herself to look like the world? Oh yes, we are all suffering. Everything is hard here. There is so much sin everywhere. How come? How come? When you are supposed to stand out. To stand out. You say, even though the whole world be drowned in sin, when you look at the church that has the garment, stand out. Did you understand the authority of your salvation today? It is righteousness. Oh, how can a man come here and start preaching the ancient gospel of the old wedding rings in a modern world? How is that possible? Unless the Messiah is about to come. He's not come to promise checks in the mail. He's not come to promise financial wealth transfer from the world to the church. No. He has come to talk about the return to the gospel of the cross and the blood. The return to the salvation of the cross and the blood. And he says, in that salvation, there's a beautiful garment that was handed down to the church. The garment that erases accusation from her. And it doesn't matter. That garment is still working today. If there is homosexuality in the church and the church is being accused now, that garment can still erase that accusation. She can still go back and wear that garment. It doesn't matter the number of abortions and scandals. But if the church will do like what Kenya did, they just simply went back to righteousness. Now, everyday righteousness, every time righteousness, they are preaching it every day. They are preaching it every night, every Sunday, every hour, every minute, every second, until it crystallized. Noah is one classic example, one of the generals of God. 
blamelessness, that character the government brings to the church, did that to him. He stood out before treasure before God. How about the book of Genesis 17.1, as we quickly finish this. Genesis 17.1 and go to the next thing. Abraham was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. When the Lord was able to catch Abraham blameless, this character that the government brings to the church today, when the Lord was able to find that Abraham became blameless, in other words, he bore the character of blamelessness. Look at what happened. Even the Messiah came out of him. That is how exclusive he became. Even the Messiah came out of him. Are we together? Job chapter 1 verse 1. Job chapter 1 verse 1. This is what he says here. Hallelujah. Amen. He says, In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. Hey! The character of blamelessness. The authority of the garment of righteousness. That when Noah was found blameless, he stood out. Heaven treasured him. When Abraham was found blameless, heaven treasured him. When Job is found blameless, to verse 8, even verse 8 you hear the Lord saying, Satan, have you tried him? You cannot even touch him. Verse 8. Verse 8 of Job. Job 1.8. Then he says, he says, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on the whole earth like him. He is blameless. That is what the Lord wanted to say about the church. That there is no one like her. She is blameless. Even those in the United States may be drenching and draining and drowning and falling and wallowing in sin and mud. But look at the church. Have you considered the church? She is blameless. But today, everybody is pointing an accusing finger to the church. There are scandals. There are scandals. Oh, have you heard about that pastor? I'm told, you know, he lied to his people. I'm told there is a widow crying there. She revealed to him how much she had in the account. And then he brought a prophet, a false one from Nigeria. And he leaked to the prophet how much money she has in which bank. The false prophet. So he started coming here and saying her name, saying the amount of money, saying the bank. And then she wrote that check. There is a scandal. There is a scandal in the church. There is a scandal of abortions in the church. There is a scandal in the church on how pastors have now become business people that Jesus had chased away from the house. They have gone back. They are back. There is a scandal. There is a scandal. Every direction there is an accusing finger. Some of the leaders of this world have not received Jesus. Why? 
Because when they look at the church, they know everything about her. So they don't want to hear about the Jesus that church preaches. There is a scandal. There's an accusing finger. Have you heard about the abortion? Yeah, we told that baby belongs to that pastor. There is a scandal. And he's saying, the original intention was that when the gospel is given, then that free, fine linen, bright and clean, was given her. Where? And now, I have given you the authority of that garment. Authority. To besmatch sin and to restore innocence, guiltlessness, blamelessness. In these last days when the Messiah is about to come, the church should have walked in this wonderful, beautiful blamelessness. And I've always told the pastors who joined this, even you, I say this to you, in Kenya, I've told them, be careful with your ministry. I said, the salvation you have, salvation, your salvation, is what you do when you are alone. Your salvation is what you do when you are alone, when nobody is seeing. And I've told them, that as you do your ministry, endeavor, strive, and God will help you through the Holy Spirit to make sure that you are trail. Nobody can accuse a finger, can point a finger. How beautiful. Make sure you walk in such a way that the trail, nobody can stand up and point a finger. Keep a clean record. That is the blamelessness the church is supposed to wear. Because you have the Holy Spirit helping you. So have you seen the three generals in the Bible? That walked in blamelessness? So have you understood what the church was supposed to look like in the eyes of God and men? And when you look at this same garment here and the character, the restoration of blamelessness in the church, then you'll find that in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, this is what you see. The character of blamelessness was actually related to the sacrificial animal that was being offered in the temple. Oh yes. Had to be blameless. In fact, I'm coming to the sacrifice you should be offering before the Lord. If you go to Leviticus chapter 1, verse 3, Leviticus chapter 3, verse 1, Leviticus chapter 3, verse 6, all the way down, it talks about the kind of sacrifice the Lord your God demands from you. So in the Old Testament, in the time of the temple, this character that the garment brings the church today was actually related to the sacrificial animal without defect that was offered in the temple. Can I fast forward now? Listen to this now. How about in the New Testament? Those of you writing scriptures, Leviticus 1.3, Leviticus 3.1, Leviticus 3.6, in the book of Numbers chapter 6 verse 14, in fact, now that you are writing, I need to mention something else. The book of Malachi chapter 1, verses 6, I think, to 14. If you want to understand the enormity and the gravity of the authority of this garment, and the quality, the character of salvation the garment was supposed to bestow on the church, then you must first read the book of Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 to verse 14. There you see the offering of the blemished sacrifice. Blemished. The sacrifice that is blamable. 
The sacrifice that is accusable. The sacrifice that has defect. Then you will now appreciate what the government does by bringing blamelessness to your salvation. Because there you hear the Lord speak with rage. With rage. In that Malachi. Malachi 1, 6-14. With rage. In fact, he reaches a point of saying, Oh, how I wish that somebody would run and shut the temple doors that I may not live to see their useless fires lit up on my altar. The fires of the gospel of prosperity. The fires when women come here, short clothes, they're dancing like this, like this. You say, I wish somebody go shut that door. So when you read Malachi 1, 6 on, then you understand how the Lord treats a blemished sacrifice with defect. And then now you'll appreciate what the government does by bringing to the church blamelessness. In other words, sacrifice without defect before the Lord. But in the New Testament, that's where I'm coming now. In the New Testament, I've done a very big review for you right there. In the New Testament, look at this now. This character that the government bestows on your salvation, this character of blamelessness, restoring you back to innocence, that you may enter without blame, without defect. This character of blamelessness was actually related to moral purity, moral Moral excellence, moral perfection, whichever way you want to say. Moral purity, moral excellence, moral perfection. And then, you can write there, for example, the book of Psalm 15 verse 2. That's what comes to mind right away. Psalm 15 verse 2 and so forth. There are many scriptures there. But look at this now. And then, in the New Testament, you get that this character that the government brings to you of blamelessness is actually the middle name of Jesus. Is almost exclusively used to refer to Christ Jesus, the perfect name of God without defect. Blamelessness. Oh yes, that you may fear this garment of righteousness I'm talking about here. That you may understand the gravity thereof is actually used to refer to Jesus the perfect lamb of God without blame that is offered and then he's saying the following that when you move further on then you understand the following you see that it is actually being referred to the followers of Jesus also that is you now hallelujah even you you're supposed to be blameless in your worship. So you are after Christ. No wonder it's called the robes of Christ. The righteousness. Hallelujah. Can I move on to another feature? This garment, because you say, fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear, given free of charge, gratis. Fine linen represents the redeemed church. The church that enters. Which means the church by now should be redeemed. Because everybody was given it gratis, free of charge, no purchase. And by the way, you cannot charge people the way they do in South Africa. He paid it full. So it's free of charge. When I look at the garment of the church, I have mentioned the stains of the garment. And I said the big one is this huge sexual sin. It's a big mancha. It's a stain. 
The other big one is the gospel of prosperity that came from the devil. The gospel of prosperity that came from the devil. That's another stain. You know, when I go to the country, the Lord normally shows me the garment of the church there. And the stains that need to be addressed. That's why the ministry is called the ministry of repentance and holiness. So that they may address those stains. One stain I said is sexual sin. And sexual lust. But that one comes with everything. Plus pornography and immoral dressing in the church. And everything immorality in the church. Including the immorality of TV that Christians are subjected to. And I said that the other stain that the Lord wants the church to return to this garment. To return to repentance and be restored. Be restored back to wholesomeness, to purity. The other stain that she must clean out is the gospel of prosperity. The gospel that says you can bribe God for a certain amount of money and get away with holiness. If you noted, all this time I was able to point out the stains on the garment. And nobody will give you this because they really want to profit from you. Everybody wants to profit. How many people attend there? How much is the fee? Collect money, enter the aircraft and go. They've done it. They keep doing it forever. But now I am talking about the entry of the church into eternity. That's a whole different ballgame. The stain, I said the second stain is the gospel of money, 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 prosperity. Wait for financial wealth transfer is coming from the world to you. Checks in the mail. You want to be wealthy overnight. But I want the people to reach a moment of realization when they are able to put their feet down and draw the line and say, beyond here we cannot go. Draw the line. Because you can fool around and lie to people. You can lie to them again. Lie to them whatever. But you can never lie to them forever. A time comes when a people step their feet and draw the line on the sand. And say, beyond here we are not going. We are returning to the house of the Lord. Shalom. If you know that this message has touched you, and you know that you are not right with the Lord, please, repeat this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I have heard your word, your holy word. And Lord, I know that your word is established in heaven. And I ask you, my Father, my everlasting Father, to establish your word in my life. The word of salvation. I repent of all sins and receive you in my life. Precious Jesus, please transform me. And withdraw me from focusing on the life in the world. On this earthly living. And change me. And redirect me to be more heavenly focused. That I may enter heaven, the kingdom of God. In the mighty name of Jesus, I am born again. <laughs> 